The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week at the Crude Life Week in Review. Of course, every Monday through Thursday, we have a podcast available at thecrudelife.com. And this is our Week in Review, where we take the best interviews from the week. We put them here in a nice little package for you, a nice little put it together in an hour package for you right here at the Crude Life Week in Review. And we'd like to thank you, folks, also for choosing us because there's so many places to get your content out there, but we have expert interviews here. We try to inform you, we try to educate, and we try to entertain you even a little bit, like not all the time, but who knows, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn from time to time, and every now and then we do entertain, so we get to throw it in there. Legal said we could throw it in there, so what the heck, we're going to take Legal's word for it. All right, folks, let's take a look at what we've got this week in our Week in Review pretty good show. It's going to be a little coronavirus talk today. We're going to talk with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer about the coronavirus, how it's impacting the economy and the energy activity. He also talks about uh, Harold Hamm and Harold Hamm's anti-dumping investigation. He calls for that as well as the rise of environmentalism. But also he comments on Harold Hamm's legacy in North Dakota because he was recently given an honorary doctorate from the University of North Dakota. So U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer coming up in just a moment or two. Then we check in with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy to find out how the coronavirus is impacting their business. Also going to ask Brandon Davis of Swan Energy about the 25% reductions the oil companies recently went public with asking service companies to do, which is catching a few people off guard because they did the same back in 2015 and 16. Of course, it wasn't as public as it is now, where you're starting to see it in some of the major news organizations like CNN, Reuters, Wall Street Journal, etc. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, plus much more on today's episode of the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Provolone is our entitled intern manning the production elements of this broadcast here today, folks. We'd like to thank you. And coming up right now, we're going to get right to U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. This is U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. Well, now I can finally have a good excuse for not having to do the face-to-face interviews as much anymore because of the coronavirus. So, huh, Senator? That's right. If I start coughing, then you don't have to worry. So let's talk about that to to kick it off. We're going to talk about a number of things here with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. But one of the things I did want to talk about is the coronavirus, Uh, mostly from kind of the economic point of view, but also from mostly the social engineering point of view, too. There's a couple different angles there. But talk to me a little bit about the economic side, because it's really impacting the economy. Well, it's an interesting point because it's it's certainly certainly disrupting the markets, and oftentimes the markets are a precursor to the economy. Some sometimes markets respond 
to you know fundamental economic stimulus. In this case, I think the markets are well ahead of, of the economy, but there's no question that that uh, the economy is struggling. And it's it's obvious that it's going to struggle when you have a disruption in trade, you have a disruption uh, in in supply chains and value chains, and uh, and then of course add to that the emotion that follows, and and you have you know you have pullbacks and investments and things but on the energy sector jason it really gets very pragmatic it, it one thing about oil and gas in particular i mean oil is a commodity it is a that and while there are certainly ways to to trick the you know the markets if you will there there's hedging and there are there are ways that that maybe the market price can reflect something other than the fundamentals at the end of the day it's still a buyer seller commodity and as a result of the coronavirus, as we know, there's been a tremendous uh, shift in demand. Demand is down. I mean, when when there's 30 percent fewer people flying on airplanes and and you have travel bans and you, you have uh, a lot of events being canceled and, uh, you know, what, 25 percent of, of travel either comes from or goes through China. And, you know, clearly that demand is going to be down. And in, in addition to that, we're already having a little bit of a demand challenge because of course you've got more efficient vehicles and they've got electric vehicles so all of that said on top of it you have this coronavirus and in the middle of that you have shenanigans and those shenanigans begin of course with um, Vladimir Putin and Russia uh, deciding to not go along with a with a supply cut um, with uh, OPEC plus one, and when they decided that not only were they not going to participate in a the cut, they're going to do provide an increase in supply to glut a market that's already glutted. Um, of course, the Saudi prince uh, came back with a, well, we'll show you, and they, they increased their supply, and now they're they've increased it again, and we're we're near as I can tell, Jason, we're at something like four million. Um, extra barrels of oil per day compared to where we were before the discussions of a possible supply cut. So we really have a, a very bad market situation right now, a very bad price situation in the oil markets. And I don't have to tell you what that means to places like the Bakken. I mean, really, the, all the shale plays are, are hurting badly as a result of this. It's not just a price slump, but a really a, a price collapse. That was the one thing that really, I guess, is not lost on me with the whole coronavirus is that the just the reaction of the masses of people. I mean, when I mean, you're talking about behaviors of individuals acting in large numbers, people staying from home, canceling of live events. You know, th- these are masses of people that are so large. It is almost like, you know, shenanigans where Russia and Saudi Arabia can decide they're going to pull some uh b- barrels of oil off or on the market do you know what i mean because they have the power of a country to do something like that whereas the coronavirus really did change enough behaviors to impact the marketplace that's incredible to me based on yeah. those other things you said too that the energy industry already had a one two punch and senator kramer i want to transition into a third punch or a fourth punch if you will and that's the rise of environmentalism so many pipeline projects and so many refineries and different energy projects out there are, are getting hemorrhaged uh, financially by the rise of the environmentalist and eco-law and eco-justice, if you will. 
Talk to me a little bit about just what's going on from from your neck of the woods in the halls of Congress when it comes with uh, the, the rise of, I call it the cult of environmentalism. Well, it certainly is an extreme version of, of environmentalism that's really rooted more in um, you know, political liberalism than it is in, in concern for the environment. Because if you really cared about the environment, you'd want more pipelines because that's the most environmentally safe way to move a product that is in high demand. While it's a shrinking demand right now, it's ultimately in high demand and we have to have it. I mean, uh, and I don't need to go into all the, the details of that unless you want to, Jason, but you raise an important point because this is splashing over, not just from, not just into, uh, you know, protests of, of permits or, you know, protesting literally at construction sites. Those things, um, you know, are, are inconveniences and those things can certainly delay important projects. Senator Kevin Kramer, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll continue the conversation with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. You know, our, our inconveniences and those things can certainly delay important projects. But now they've gotten into the banking community. Now, I serve on the banking right. committee. So I, on the one hand, I serve on the Environment and Public Works Committee yeah, that, that oversees some of the regulatory side of things. Um, and then I also serve on the banking committee, which oversees the financial side of things. Well, now they've convinced large banks. I mean, you know, the, some of the biggest names that you and I know of, and they've intimidated them into pulling back on lending and, and investing in these fossil projects. Well, you know, you cut off large uh, access to, to large amounts of money. Now, these are highly capital uh, intensive projects, obviously. Um, and, you know, that this is another way around or another way to attack the, the entire industry. So that I've, I've gotten very involved in, in going after the banks that have acquiesced to this bullying. Um, I don't believe that banks who are insured by the federal government, that is to say the taxpayers of this country, um, ought to be making decisions to, to deny credit to legal companies that are in good standing and, and have every right and reason and frankly responsibility to uh, to build out, um, but we're seeing a lot of a lot of capex being cut now as a result of these low prices in in North Dakota and throughout the country. I think you're gonna, you know, I've had enough personal conversations with with uh, company CEOs to know what's, you know, that, that there's going to be a real serious pullback, and some of that has not been announced yet, so I'm not going to. But um, 
but yeah, the, the, the environmental movement is is alive, it's well, and it's vicious right now. And well, it, we need to stand up for for commerce. It's really something else because when you when you look at the energy industry, um, they're going through a change, and, I, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But the environmental side of things. I want to say the last two or three major conferences that had to deal with climate change from the UN, to whatever the last one was last week, it's not the scientists and their verified data that's getting the headlines. It's a 16-year-old girl. And the energy industry has spent billions of dollars trying to educate and promote and do PR, and they're getting the crap kicked out of them by a 16-year-old girl. Well, that's because our media loves that. They I know. They love that sort of activism. They love that level of, of emotion. And it doesn't have to be practical. It doesn't even have to be true. It just ha- just has to be sort of romantic or sexy. And, and they run with it. And it's become very irresponsible, Jason. That's why that's why forms like what you provide, the type of formats you provide in, on the radio show, on the podcast, um, in print, I mean, it's really important that a more balanced view gets out there because it's more educational rather than emotional. And unfortunately, even our large financial institutions can fall for that. And certainly our large media falls for it. Well, and we've been trying to explain that for a while now, that this, this rise of environmentalism is real and it is impacting the legal system and it's impacting the banking system to where, like you said, now that E was it ESMP, ESG, there's two different acronyms, whether you're a company and, and, and whether you're a specific organization. But you do. You, you're having to get certified now that you're environmentally conscious. So that part of the industry is changing is, is how we get banking. I've been saying this for probably the last three, four years, Senator Kramer, that um, CEOs like Harold Hamm have been on the show back in 2012, 13, and, and, and beginning of 14 when it was $100 oil. Boy, we could get the CEOs no problem. Now it's like a rare albino, albino elk sighting, man. They're just they're hard to get to nowadays. But uh, what, what they would say in a program like this is the paradigm shift. And I'd always I'd always say that CEOs, they're not like news pundits and, and political pundits. They don't exaggerate and be bombastic when they say something. They mean it because they got shareholders listening. They got attorneys right. listening, That's right. you know. And so yeah. when, when they say that, you, you start thinking, well, what do they mean by paradigm shift? Well, OK, big data has really changed the wellhead. It's really changed right. automation. It's really even changed human resources. You know, like take something like a background check from Alaska to Wyoming. You know, that used to take a month. Now it's a second. You know, yeah. so that's a paradigm shift. Okay. We mentioned the PR. They've got to reinvent their public relations and engagement because they're losing to, you know, emotion over fact. So we've got to figure out that. But then you started looking at the bailout. Boy, if the energy industry took a bailout, that would be a major change because the initial knee-jerk reaction was no. You know, Mike Summers from API came out and said no right away. Uh, Senator Kramer, you you know that this is a tough subject right now because of all the things we just talked about from OPEC to Corona to oil prices that, you know, when you start mentioning bailouts and things like that with the energy industry, boy, that would be a big change if the energy industry took a bailout. But I don't know. I'm not sure what to even think on this one. Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. You're right. Mike has come out against the bailout, as has APX. They, they represent mid-size and, and, and up um, companies, uh, independent producers, Association of America. They've said the same thing. Um, 
DEPA is, is another organization that's once headed up by Harold Hamm. None of them are asking for a bailout. Uh, you know, there, there are various various things that we're hearing from, from them, what they'd like. One of the major things is, and we've been talking about capital and access to capital and CapEx, um, at a time when, when the price is $30, the, the one thing that is happening, of course, is that interest rates have come down to where money's very cheap, at least, you know, credit is very cheap. And, um, and it's probably coming down even further. I think access to liquidity um, is, is a pretty big piece of it that, that, that I think helps the industry a lot. Um, the good news is that they've been on a pretty good run, although prices, you know, recently have been have been low. Um, you know, they, they've been in a, they've been in a pretty good spot. Um, Harold and, and and the folks at Depp are looking for a possible investigation into anti dumping, you know, anti dumping laws by mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and I think that's relevant. It's certainly worth looking at, and they ought to be aware of it because I think it does fit. I think you know the the, the documents that I've looked at, the history of, of anti dumping and how it's been applied, um, it makes sense. Um, but even that is not natural for the oil man because the oil man likes free, open global markets and we are the stabilizer in those markets but when you have big market players like um saudi arabia and in russia manipulating the markets the way they are i think they, i think they have a case to be made and that they should be reined in on the other hand um and, and by the way I, I also think that i do think there are some diplomatic things happening that hopefully will be successful along those lines i i signed a letter yesterday that dan sullivan dan from um dan is from alaska he and i put together a letter to the crown prince Saudi Arabia saying knock it off um, you know we are your ally we've been your ally we've defended you when it wasn't easy to defend you and you ought not be dancing with Vladimir Putin you better get your act together so we we put it on him pretty heavy and got a number of other senators uh, to sign it and, and I think there's you know I think there's some movement taking place but you can't keep the pressure off either um, but other I think other some of the other organizations other other companies they they, they would, of course, they want a, a resolution to the to the price war between the two big uh, the two big producing countries. But they also, um, you know, they're looking for capital, and and uh, I think we can do some things to free up more capital. And some of that we can do on the regulatory side as well, Jason. We you know we often talk about low interest loans. You know, what can the Federal Reserve do to to you know to provide more liquidity to the banks? I think they're they're doing that. I think you're going to see interest rates at or near zero next by next week. Um, and um, all of that will have some certainly some stimulating uh, benefit, but you know maybe maybe there are some things on the regulatory side as well to, to draw down some of the costs, the, the unnecessary costs of whether it's pipelines or drilling itself, or frankly banking itself. Um, you know, we have a great distribution system of banks in this country. It doesn't have to be the federal government. Um, that's providing the money, but but some of the regulations prevent these banks, who, by the way, have lots of cash. They, they, they banks themselves are fairly li- liquid because um, they've been required to be uh, as a result of you know former uh, legislation. Senator Kevin Kramer, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. We'll conclude the interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Well, Gandhi says an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And I was two years old when John Lennon died.
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we conclude our interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. I hate to get back to coronavirus, but what we're experiencing right now in this state as a result of this this price crash in oil, you're going to unfortunately see a slowdown in the build-out of natural gas infrastructure. Whether that's, uh, as you probably know, I mean, there, there were some large, um, there are some large uh, plans for natural gas processing facilities in the state this summer. Um, I don't know anything yet, but I'm watching, reading the tea leaves, and I'm very concerned that some of the infrastructure that would have provided some of the relief, and not just relief for the flaring, but now use for the natural gas, whether it's processing and sending down the line or sending down the line wet to uh, to other processing facilities, uh, you know, at some point maybe some sort of a hydrocarbon or, or you know, a plastics facility. All of those things are going to have great setbacks now as a result of price. Your question, however, is about subsidizing it. I think there are other ways to do it than subsidizing it. I, I think that there are, we should help incent the appropriate market forces. For example, I met a couple of weeks ago in my office uh, with somebody who's actually become a bit of a, an international friend. I think I've met with him three times now, but um, it is the, uh, the energy minister from Poland. They would love to buy our natural gas rather than than Russia's. Um, we have big things. They remember when, when Donald Trump uh, took so much criticism for suggesting to Angela Merkel that she should um, you know, change her views on the Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline. Uh, 
and and help rather facilitate the the build out of a of a pipeline infrastructure in Europe that carries American gas. Um, there's a lot of demand globally for what we produce here in the United States. The other thing, and you raised with the issue of subsidies, is, is electric generation. You talked about the intermittency of of, uh, of wind and solar, the, the lack of reliability to it on the grid, the fact that we have utilities in, in North Dakota time, you know, more about abandoning large, efficient coal plants because it's so cheap to do wind and solar and, and natural gas. Well, guess what? We just happen to produce a lot of natural gas in, in, in North Dakota as well, and we happen to have a lot of electric infrastructure. But... Um, you know, we we need to find ways to use that gas because it's a precious commodity, even though it's a low cost commodity right now. Um, but the best way to um, you know to get a better return on your dollar is is to um, you know to use more of it. And you know, demand creates uh, you know creates price. So um, I, as you can tell, I'm sort of I'm sort of lukewarm at best to the idea of subsidizing things, but we can. I think there are some more natural market forces that we can help incent. No, I agree. I'm not a listen. I'm a you know. Here's a little insight on me. I helped start the teenage Republicans in my high school, and you know. So I mean, to, to, to the core. But I'm I'm one of those old school, like I guess they call them, was a Goldwater kind of guys. Government yeah, stay out no, of my checkbook. Right. Government stay out of my you know personal life. But hey, I'll help you build the roads. You know, we we yeah, want some. Right. We want some authority figures around to keep the riffraff out, that sort of thing. Um, and that's you know why, again, the subsidies, I hate even saying that word, but then again, at the same time, I'm going, I'd, I'd rather see you know, subsidies go into keeping the pipelines being built and keeping some of the flow going as, as, so that Russia and Saudi Arabia and the coronavirus don't stop, doesn't stop it in America when... You know, we are really close to energy independence whenever we want to be. No, no yeah, when we want to be is a different story. But um, so uh, just kind of wrapping up here. Go ahead. Point, I want to just add to that point. You're, you're making a really important point right here. Even if we're not, if, if we aren't um, on the books independent, we, we, we're capable of independence. And that's what makes us independent. And if if uh, this is why uh, something like what what Depa is talking about in terms of a, a an anti-dumping uh, investigation and perhaps action with countervailing um, with countervailing uh, tariffs is is a threat worth putting out there because we are capable of independence we're capable of dominance as the president has, has mentioned and the only thing keeping us from doing that is that you know is that we're part of a global market but if the global market's not going to be fair to us we can become independent real fast and we are the consumers in this world but we want to be able to sell our product as much as anything and uh, and use it for good around the world because natural gas and oil uh, i'd say natural gas in particular right now is is a is a national security tool as opposed to a national security weapon and that's why we should be looking for more ways to streamline the permitting process for gathering lines transmission lines export terminals uh, and then working with our our trading partners around the world to work with us on on x on import terminals and their own infrastructure so they don't have to be beholden to vladimir putin for their natural gas supply Winding down here with Senator Kevin Kramer. Appreciate the overtime here today. And you mentioned Harold Ham's name. And I did want to ask you about 
uh, Harold Ham, who you know on a, not only a personal level, but he's helped you on, I think, your campaign even a little bit. I think he even. He was my finance chairman. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I think he even shook a few hands on your behalf, but being your finance chairman, well, that's a little better. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, it takes both hands and money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. They wash each other, too, I guess, but uh, that's a different <laughs> saying for a different day. Uh, Harold Ham just recently got an honorary doctorate at uh, University of North Dakota, of course. Being from a different state, that means he's done some incredible things for not only the university but the state and i do want to mention too before i let you talk a little bit about harold ham because you know him like i say on a personal and professional level but we've had a lot of ceos come and go in north dakota from out of state you know we've we 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 are a very big agriculture uh community we're a very big oil community as well we're a big tech community with uh, governor burgum and bill gates connections and to get an honorary doctorate like something like this shows that Harold Hamm is not only you know somebody who's done a lot of business with the state, but he's spent a lot of time getting to know the state, and he's done it in almost a maverick kind of way. You know, he really has, and that really has appealed to the people of North Dakota. So I just thought I'd start with that. Well, you you have really um, characterized Harold in in, a, in an appropriate way. Jason, I think part of why we relate so well to Harold isn't just because of his generosity or just because of the incredible investment he's made in this state. But remember, he's, a, he's even a pioneer in, in terms of our state, because when it comes to the combination of, of hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling, it is Harold who is credited with cracking that code. And, and when he did crack that code, he just happened to have about a million um, mineral acres <laughs> right here in our state and so he's made major investment here he is while he still has an oklahoma accent and a home in oklahoma he is a corporate citizen of north dakota and so in many respects he's he's appropriately you know considered the the godfather of at least of the the bach and shale play now i also have to say harold the, the other part of why we like harold is he's a lot like us you know he, he's been referred to as the blue collar billionaire um, because Harold's really more comfortable uh, in, you know, in hunting clothing than he is in a in a suit. Although he's become pretty good at wearing the suit, and you know, we see him a lot on the uh, on the the business shows on CNBC and Fox Business and Bloomberg TV. And uh, he, t- he has to talk to the street. You know, you you know, you were talking about that a little bit earlier. That CEOs always have to sort of maintain a certain tone when they're talking because there are people on Wall Street listening at all times. And, it's, you know, credit rating agencies, investors, and, you know, the institutional investors. But but Harold's also an independent. So, And I think it's important to know, you know, to remember that. He's, an, he's really an independent, not just literally, but in his heart. And so he's a lot like a North Dakotan. And uh, if you're to bump into Harold at the coffee shop, you could be talking to a rancher or a farmer or a mechanic, a geologist, or, uh, you know, an, an oil tycoon. You never know for sure. And... Um, so, so we just relate to him. But he has also he's also invested significantly in the charities of our of our state and our education system, and in, in sometimes in big flashy ways, and in some sometimes in the ways that I'm familiar with when it's not so big and flashy, but more anonymous and and personal. Now, I, I would say he follows a lot of others like him. I mean, I think of somebody like John Hess, who I had a good visit with this earlier this year. When I think about the the legacy of of, of Western North Dakota and oil and gas exploration and recovery and processing. I mean, Hess is really the 
you know, Hess is really the, the legacy company for North Dakota. So, so, and his name remains on the, uh, you know, on the, on the buildings, but, but Harold's special in that he's really made North Dakota, uh, not just a second home, but I'd almost say just another home. It's really his, it's almost equal to his, uh, to his roots in, in Oklahoma. Thank you, Senator. Senator, appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Jason. To listen to the full-length interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Brandon Davis with Swan Energy talking about the impact of the coronavirus and the reduction request of 25% across the board from oil service companies. My name is Jason Spies. This is The Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Make Energy Great Again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make Energy Great Again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make Energy Great Again. Visit KeepEnergyGreat.com. That's KeepEnergyGreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Excellent. And our mic levels look good, so Provolone is doing a fantastic job. Uh, Brandon Davis joining us here, Swan Energy. We're going to talk about a variety of different things, but we, we have to start the interview off talking about the coronavirus, the COVID-19 we have, and um, I tell you, we've got all kinds of phone calls coming in. We've got public health officials. I, I've got the governor and the lieutenant governor that I've, I'm going to be speaking to later on. And so, uh, uh, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy as well. Talk to me about, you know, what's going on. Because here at where, where we're at at our Crude Life Studios, we're still business as usual, you know, under watch, if you will. But, you know, we, we still... People are still showing up and that sort of thing. So how about you guys at your office? Where are you guys at? We're in Greenway, and everyone's showing up and working. Uh, we have lots to do. There, really, nothing's changed as far as office functionality and, and our program, and I don't see it changing in the near future. But it's definitely a different vibe than it was two weeks ago. Well, and sure. that, that doesn't mean other people's environment hasn't changed and that sort of thing. And that's kind of one of the things I, I do love about, about America, where we're at still. 
that uh, we can still allow some of these things, you know, to happen. And, you know, obviously it, it might change. But um, talk to me a little bit about the guys out in the field that you've got. You know, we talked a little bit off the air and you mentioned, you know, you've got guys that go out in the field a little bit. So first of all, what's their day like in terms of, you know, wh- who do they interact with? Who are your customers what types of things are they doing? Because I think everybody kind of understands the office job. You know, every people have an office or a cube and laptop or a desktop and phone calls and all that other stuff. It's the guys out in the field, though, that at the end of the day, their jobs are going to keep going no matter what. Their jobs will probably not change at all. Not at all. <laughs> which, is the, which is the interesting, yeah, I mean, they're they're going out. My, my uh, main field business is a short-haul water, wastewater company so we pick up water from wells and haul it to disposal wells and that absolutely number one it can't stop because if that business stops oil production stops and that is a whole different conversation um so those are very much essential things that need to continue happening and we we work with uh, most of the players in the stack in, in central oklahoma is, is where we are with water hauling um, but nothing's changed there other than, um, of course, the companies that we haul water for want a better deal. Um, <laughs> 25, sad, sad for them. It's like it's already as good as it's going to get. I don't hey, see how but, anyone could reduce their prices. By the right way, now. let oh, me oh. jump in here for a second on this one. because, <laughs> Well, no, in, in all seriousness, you know, this is something the, the oil companies put out, and it, it went through the media. So they put it out publicly, and they said, we want a 25% re- reduction across the board. And Listen, I, I don't know where you stand on this, but they already did it back in 2014, 15, and 16. And, um, I know. <laughs> and, and so there's, I, I'm speaking up for the industry now saying, listen, oil and gas companies, I get it. You guys are the kings of the economy, but stop. You can't ask these guys to, to, to cut anymore. They've, they've cut everywhere they possibly can. And I, I, you know what I mean? I mean, I, like I said, I don't know where you stand on this, but that's a pretty hot topic in the industry right now. I stand where I feel that prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky. Um, and we're not lucky that often. So for, for any request, I'm not going to go work for someone and pay to do it. And that's what they're asking for. Um, I'll park all my trucks before that happens and uh, just wait. And the downside for these guys doing this, this game they're playing, it's a very, very slippery slope because at some point there's going to be one, co- there's going to be one company and then they're going to pay 500 times more. That, that's where, that's what they're, if they keep doing this, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's going to eliminate everybody else. It's going to eliminate all the competition that drove the prices down in the first place. But when when that changes, when that when that dynamic goes, and it's already been shifting, this is going to push it way further down the road. Um, it's a very it's dangerous territory for them. Talk to me about you, the guys that you have, the services that you provide a little bit, and you know, there's a reason that you're remaining calm. For one, you guys have a plan, and number two, you understand that you've got some some positions and jobs that just can't change because we need power that that there there really isn't a plan and I, i'm going to say that half-heartedly um you know obviously we're, we're planning to continue things as as normal but 
the calm about me is is not so much in that I know what's going to happen and I know what to do. It's that I know I can't control what's coming at me right now, um, and it's coming from many angles, from the oil price continuing to just plunge to like just generally people just not being able to go to work because the government's telling them not to. Um, I'm just I'm sitting back and watching and waiting for an opportunity because at some point there will be something I can control that will make a difference. Um, at, at this point, it's literally just kind of let it all come at you and, and you know don't don't react too quickly and and your opportunity will present itself. And that was Brandon Davis with Swan Energy. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And that's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Brandon Davis with Swan Energy and U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer for coming on today's program and being a part of the Crude Life and the Crude Life Week in Review. Folks, I'd like to mention one more time that we do have a podcast that we have on our website at thecrudelife.com. It's a podcast that we do every Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review, of course, what you're listening to right now on this radio station. And folks, once again, thank you very much for choosing this radio station the crude life as well as a program there are so many places to get your content today i mean i was listening and uh, boy i heard an ad for ron burgundy the fictional character from anchorman he's got a podcast now of course you have my neighbor's cat has a very popular podcast and what did i hear that the eighth grade class at my son's junior high now is going to do a podcast or is that just the science department see i think the eighth grade's got 17 podcasts just at my son's junior high boy what i'm saying folks is every caterpillar under the sun has a podcast these days so thank you very much for choosing us i mean we're very grateful for that because there's a lot of options out there and for you to land here hey like i said even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then and i feel like the blind squirrel today so thank you folks i appreciate it very much If you'd like to stay up to date on exclusive interviews, industry news, and even social media accounts, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today, folks. I'd like to thank you once again for choosing us. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. Provolone, our entitled intern, thank you very much for your hard work today on the production elements of this broadcast. And from the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review... My name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 